and people say, well, why, why are you, we're not focusing on children. I said, let me present something to you and you will see, and it does open the door for us. Matter of fact, every time I present a testimony before Congress, I always gave them a coloring book. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and again, some of the top docs, mm-hmm. even doctors have said, I learned something for you. I have a whole new perspective of my liver because you made it personal. Why is liver health so important? And what would it mean to dedicate decades of your career to a crusade to make the liver an international wellness priority? Let's talk all about it with Thelma Thiel of the Liver Health Initiative, right here on episode 368 of the Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello there, this is Nurse Keith. This podcast is always about you, your personal and professional development, your career, and the healthcare system writ large. And I'm here to share education, ideas, frequent diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people out there. I love having you along for the ride with me and thanks for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. If you find value in the podcast, please be, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith. You can pledge as little as $2 a month to show your support. And if you pledge a little more, you can get some awesome stuff from me in return for being a patron. So head over to patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith to sign up as a patron of the Nurse Keith Show. And did you know that Nurse Keith Coaching is your destination for all things related to your career? That's right. I've completed over 2,000 expert holistic coaching sessions with nurses from all over the world, just like you. And if you'd like to explore that, email me at keith at nursekeith.com to schedule a complimentary chat. And if you mention the show, you get 10% off your first coaching package. The show notes for this episode will be at nursekeith.com forward slash liver health. That's nursekeith.com forward slash liver health. And Thelma Thiel, it is so nice to have you here. I'm so glad you got in touch with me to be on the show. And my first question for you is why do we need to make the liver and liver health more of a priority for the public and for the world at large? Well, this is the most ignored organ in the world. Uh, Unfortunately, it has no mechanism for giving people pain or an indication that it's in trouble. So it has been ignored. And that is one of the major reasons why this is currently absent in schools, in education. We have uh, enormous problems because people just don't know how important their liver is. And they're participating daily in liver damaging activities without a clue of what can be happening uh, inside their liver. They can lead to obesity, diabetes, chronic liver disease, fatty liver, uh, maybe even leading to having a liver transplant because they didn't know how to take care of their liver. And the, the, the food that they're eating is the uh, fuel that your liver needs to perform hundreds of critically important chemical processes that uh, create muscles, energy, and keep you functioning 24-7 every year. Hmm. So if it's so important, why, you know, what are the underlying conditions that are causing us to not focus on it in terms of public health and education of the citizenry and education of healthcare providers? Because we talk a lot about cancer. We talk about heart disease. We talk about kidney disease. You know, we talk about all of these things on a regular basis. So what is it that's preventing this from being more of a priority? Why, why is this such an issue? Now, that's a question I have had for 50 years since I lost my son. Uh, uh, unfortunately, my baby was born and uh, he was diagnosed in two days that he had cirrhosis of the liver from a disease called biliary atresia. And at that time, even as a nurse, I didn't know what biliary atresia was or how important bile was. Apparently, this disease had destroyed his bile ducts inside his liver and it already caused cirrhosis 
so that he was actually jaundiced when he was born. And at that time, there was very little known about the liver uh, information. Uh, support for research was at a bare, bare minimum because no one had gone to Congress to say, we need money for liver research because they didn't know they had a problem. There are over a hundred different liver diseases and they are ongoing and not giving anyone any signs or symptoms that they have a problem until our own, the liver is almost at the point of no return. And of course, there were no diagnostic tools to even identify it. And at that point, that many years ago, they thought that 75% of liver disease was related to alcohol, and that was self-induced liver problem. So there, but uh, why there is an ongoing blockage actually of promoting liver health education is beyond belief. And I have struggled with this for ever since my son died, but it was uh, tragic for four heartbreaking years that he suffered every day of his life. And when you go through the list of things that the liver does, like, oh, it makes strong muscles and bones and energy and all this, that doesn't stick with you because you have no idea how important this is. But my, my son was, he was itching constantly because the, the bile had backed up in his bloodstream and that's why he was joined. And apparently that, that irritated his skin so that he, he itched constantly so that that broke his sleep. When he took his first baby step, he fell and fractured his hip. He was strung up in traction for weeks away from home. And uh, finally, when we got him home, I watched him every second of the day. But I turned my back and he turned around and he broke his other hip and his tibia. This time, the doctors put him in a body cast. And can you imagine the torture that he was going through with itching inside mm -hmm. of a body cast and not able to touch it? Mm -hmm. I would spend hours trying to soothe him and keep him from really scratching and being unhappy, whatever. It was just, it was just terrible. And of course, he had diarrhea every day. And I didn't realize that that diarrhea was carrying away the vitamins and nutrients that were unable to be released because he couldn't get the bile out of his liver. The liver cells were still making the bile. It was supposed to be collected in the gallbladder. And then when the, the food was coming down through the stomach and onto the intestines, sent a little signal over to the gallbladder and said, would you please sprinkle a little bile on this food so that it can, we can release the vitamins and the nutrients so that they can be picked up by the little blood vessels in the wall of the intestine, carried over to the liver where all these wonderful liver cells, I tell people that are like Santa Claus's helpers, and they take that that food that you are eating, the nutrients that are there, and it turns them into energy so that you can get out of bed in the morning. It helps you get well when you're sick. It keeps you from being a sitting duck for every germ going around. It even makes the sticky stuff like glue stop cups, stop scuts from bleeding so you don't bleed to death. It's your internal chemical power plant because everything that you eat, breathe, and absorb through your skin has to be refined and detoxified by the liver. It's your guardian angel and your internal chemical power plant. Now, when you take drugs and alcohol, same thing happens. It goes down to your stomach, goes over to your intestines, picked up, goes over to your liver. And what does it do? It kills off those liver cells. And those, I tell people that liver cell, dead liver cells are Santa Claus's helpers. They say, well, some nurses that I spoke to, they said, now we know what, the, what cirrhosis is. It's dead Santa Claus's helpers. I said, you'll never forget it. And that's the key. I, that's why I have talked about the liver cells and, you know, physicians will talk about you, the technical information. But unless someone can relate to what those important functions do, they aren't going to remember it. So that's why we are, we're, we're trying to get out to people to say, this is an important organ. Maybe uh, recently I've tried to figure out how to get to teenagers. I thought, no, everybody has a cell phone. I said, do you ever look inside the cell phone and see what, what's inside it to make it work? Those little computer chips inside, where are your computer chips? Your computer chips are called hepatocytes. They're the little cell, little liver cells that are in your liver that make everything function. And it's what's, you know, you don't have an electric cord that plugs in to get the energy to keep you going. But what is the energy that you need? It's the food that you eat. And that's why we're telling people, eat this, don't eat that. But again, unless you have reason why 
what that bad food, what the over, you know, overdose of sugars and starches, et cetera, is damaging those little liver cells, the computer chips in your body, and without your knowing it. So again, we have a, a, a real problem with trying to get that message to people to understand why are you telling me not to eat this and to eat that? Mm-hmm. You have to understand why, and that's the missing piece. And unfortunately, the people who hold the money to support research and education, the teachers don't know about the liver. It's not in schools, so we're not teaching children. And the people who hold the money, they don't know how important the liver is, and they just talk about something else. You know, talk about your heart, not your liver, mm-hmm. et cetera. We so talk we a lot a, about the heart, don't we? That's right. Yeah, right. But how often do you hear people tell you what the liver does? Actually, never other than other than you, for the most part. And so, um, first of all, I'm really, really sorry about your son. I know it was 50 years ago, but that doesn't erase the the tragedy and the, the trauma and pain of, of a loss like that. So I'm so sorry. And, well, uh, he's been my inspiration. And again, yeah. I just say, I can say he's uh, go get a mom. You know, you've got to keep working at this. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's been a long haul, yeah. discouraging along the way. But thank you for giving me this opportunity to at least tell people a little about this wonderful organ that they're abusing, unknowing that they're doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I look at obesity, for one thing, I see a liver that is screaming and saying, you're, you're, you're killing me. You're, mm-hmm. you're overeating, you're damaging me and you don't know it. And that's mm-hmm. the only sign that they have that they have a problem. So we're really trying very hard to uh, inform people and get them involved in participating in their own health care. Yeah. Well, Thelma, let's take a step back for a second. And when, when did you become a nurse? When did, when did um, you enter <laughs> the profession? Now you're getting back to my age, whatever. I, <laughs> I, I joined the nurse. I joined the United States uh, Cadet Nurse Corps during World War II, wow. and we had to, they paid for my training. And I was, uh, we were running hospitals because a lot of the nurses who were trained they were, were joining the army and the navy. Hmm. And as a student nurse, we were given tremendous responsibility to really keep the hospitals going at that point. But that was the basis of my information about getting, I had a, it was a three-year program. And years later, I went back just to college and got my degree and uh, I have a BA degree. Uh, so it, just having those degree has helped me along the line. And I would never have wondered or imagined the doors that have opened for me because I have that nursing background. Hmm. It's just been amazing. So World War II, so you were working here in the States or did you ever go overseas as a nurse? No, I no, we were we were the, at, at home. We were mm-hmm. keeping things going at home to mm-hmm. release the uh, trained nurses because they were all going off to, to war. I see. And as a nurse, you know, through the years, I know that your son got sick about 50 years ago, right? So mm-hmm. we're... What was your main interest as you entered the profession? Was there something that had really captured or piqued your curiosity in terms of nursing and healthcare and health in general? I, I don't know that there was anything specific. I think it was the, the, the feeling that I should do something during the war. Mm-hmm. I think that was the basis of that. Mm-hmm. But again, so many doors have opened for me since then. And again, uh, after Dean died, I, I, uh, set up a foundation, my uh, Claudine Thiel Foundation, to raise money for, uh, that's what, for biliary atresia research, not realizing they didn't know anything about the liver at that point. Well, some of the physicians that I was funding with my minimal amount of money that I had been raising decided that they wanted to start a national organization. So I was asked to organize the American Liver Foundation uh, out of my home uh, with no budget for public relations. And I thought, how am I ever going to get people to uh, be interested in the liver? Because they thought American Liver Foundation must be a meatpacking organization. <laughs> so I don't know whether, do you remember Ann Landers? She had a, a, a syndicated column yes. that people in love Lauren. <laughs> so I wrote to Ann Landers and I said, would you please tell your readers that people other than alcoholics can get cirrhosis. My son had cirrhosis at two weeks of age. 
And uh, she did that for me. She published that letter and asked them, you know, anyone that had a question to write to me and give me an envelope. Well, I got 150,000 letters. Oh, my gosh. Thanking me for dispelling the stigma because people were afraid to tell people that they had a liver problem because they thought we must be drunk. You know, it was so associated with, with the negativism at that point. But we answered every single one of those, and that really put us on the map. And I, so oh, it was it was really a task, but that really set me up. And then, of course, I was the first person to present testimony before Congress to ask hmm. them for money. Hmm. And again, the public relations people were, I was the resource for them. So I really uh, stepped up and was the, the basis of a lot of information. So, but it's been a, it's been a challenge and I just uh, kept on trying to get people more interested in a non-complaining organ that's been abused and misrepresented for years. Wow. So, and, and just to, to paint the picture you're the founder and chair of the Liver Health Initiative, and that's your crusade against liver disease. And that's been going for about 50 years. And you just said that you've served as the CEO of the American Liver Foundation, the Hepatitis Foundation International. You're the co-founder of the Liver Health Initiative, the National Viral Hepatitis Roundtable. You've done you've done a great deal. You've you've created, I think. A, a large number of DVDs, I think 15 award-winning DVDs on liver health and the prevention of hepatitis and substance abuse. You were featured in a, a PBS documentary called The Visionary that aired on 140 stations. So <laughs> nurses often talk about the fact that no one listens to them. And they talk about the fact that they don't have any political traction and they don't know how to access uh, legislators, and they don't know how to make things happen. And there are there are nurses out there like you, who are crusaders and who are tireless advocates. And fifty years is a long time to be advocating for you know in a very single minded way about something that you really care about. So for someone listening who has an issue that they really care about. Maybe it's human trafficking or domestic violence or it's liver disease or heart disease. What is it that's necessary to attack something so vehemently and single-mindedly, stay focused and really find the avenues to move forward? How does one do that? Well, I think, I think individuals need to have a purpose in life. And if they've chosen nursing to be their, their mission, mm-hmm. but they have to have some reason why it's important to them personally, I think. Okay. And that, of course, has been my motivation to feel like I wouldn't want any other child to suffer the way Dean did. And I keep remembering uh, how he... Uh, he was feeling and how he was depending on me as his mom, as a nurse to take care of him. And yet I didn't have any answers. So it just, it was heartbreaking. And I just feel that uh, maybe this is my mission in life. I don't know why would I have a a child that was destined to have a miserable life all of his life. Never had a day that I'm sure that he felt well. Mm -hmm. And yet I feel that uh, that has been my mission. And, and I feel that uh, if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't be able to pick up in the morning because I was up at five this morning and I work all day. And mm-hmm. uh, this has been a long haul. You're mentioning that I've, I've retired three times. But I keep seeing, <laughs> there's a, there's a, a, well, the Liver Health Initiative is my most recent uh, organization that I've worked. But I, that was the genesis of that was that I saw that the, the National Academy of Science was coming up with, they had a draft of their uh, program for eliminating viral hepatitis, and they didn't even mention the liver or liver prevention education. And I thought, now, who's going to make a difference there? I mean, that's ridiculous. How mm-hmm. can you eliminate something without educating people about it, about prevention? It was not even a word about that, other mm-hmm. than vaccination. And they depended, well, we're, we're, we're preventing it with vaccination. 
where you don't have a vaccine for hepatitis C at this you point. You do not. So no, how are you going not. to get people to prevent it unless they understand how they got it? You know, now can they prevent it? So that was the genesis of my developing the Liver Health Initiative. And I actually uh, started uh, with a high school student who was a senior because I'm not very good at computers because uh, at my age, um, which is, by the way, is 96 at this point, uh, I was not very astute on computers. So I got the high school kids to help me out along the line. And we just we just started and we I asked questions. You ask me, how do I make it work? I asked other people who have done similar things. And how did you do this? How did you do that? Who do I ask? And it's just asking many, many questions of other people. And how can you help me? And do you know about this? So I think that's, uh, I think uh, I feel sorry for people that don't have a mission. I know my, uh, my nephew just retired and, uh, he uh, he had a, a, a business up by Wrigley uh, 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 Stadium, mm-hmm. and the, because of the COVID, they he had to close down. Well, he suddenly didn't have a mission, mm-hmm. and I just felt sorry for him because he was lost. He didn't. It, that was his whole life. Yes, and he didn't have a plan for his future. And I thought that's sad. So I think if we can give uh, high school students uh, the passion or a mission by educating them and saying, this is a problem and we need to find a solution. Find a problem and try to solve it. And I think that that's what you should encourage other people to do. If there's something that is an issue to you, see what you can do about it mm-hmm. and find out, talk to other people. That's really excellent advice. And that's often what nursing is about. It's about communication and education. That's really one of the underpinnings of underpinnings of what what we do as nurses. And when we come back from the break, I want to talk about the work you've done around creating coloring books in English and Spanish for children and your recognition as the liver lady and the curricula you've created and the communication techniques and strategies that you've championed all along. So how does that sound for the second half? That sounds great. That's what I'd like to do. Okay. (laughs) So hang in there with us and we'll be right back for the second half of episode 368 of The Nurse Keith Show. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other awesome listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Nurse Keith. And if you know someone who could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit, so you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. And remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits. What an incredible deal. And please head over to nursekeith.com and sign up for my newsletter, which comes out regularly and brings you supportive messages, updates from my blog and my podcast, resources, and all sorts of other stuff. Remember, nursekeith.com, sign up for that newsletter, and you'll also get a free download from me as my gift to you. Anyway, those are my sincere asks today. So now, Let's dig back into today's topic without further ado. And welcome back to the second half of the episode. Remember, the show notes are located at nursekeith.com forward slash liverhealth. And we're here again with friend of the pod, Thelma Thiel. And Thelma, prior to the break, we were talking about this notion of having a mission and being able to communicate what it is that you're passionate about. And you were recommending that if someone is looking for something in their life, that they find something they care about. And then that becomes the focus, that becomes their mission. And you've demonstrated that over five decades. And, you know, 
having become a nurse during World War II, and then suffered this terrible experience with your son, Dean, and having to nurse him through some very hard years of suffering. And then that created your personal connection to this mission because of his liver disease. And you were talking about how if someone can find that thing, that one thing, that can really become a a real reason for being, a real driving force. And I know communication is really important to you, that it's really important to know how to get information across, whether it's to a layperson, a member of Congress, you've worked with SAMHSA, you've worked with the NIH, you've worked with um, the CDC. I mean, you've interfaced with you know, you've been an advisor to the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease at NIH. You've been the commissioner of the National Commission on Digestive Diseases. So you've learned how to communicate. What's one thing that we need to know about communicating health information to other people? What's, what's one of the like, kernels or secrets that we need to bear in mind? Well, I think it has to be personal. It's one of the things that I've often said is, I mean, we've got so much liver information and it's very complex, but mm-hmm. unless I, it's, what, why is that important to me? And I think that uh, I want you to, to be interested in what I'm doing. And unless you understand for yourself, you're not going to pay attention to it. So my, my mission is, uh, how many times have you gone to a lecture? If you didn't take notes, you wouldn't even remember what the professor said. Mm-hmm. So I, and of course they use, they use PowerPoint and I don't like PowerPoint because I figure people are just seeing the scribbling notes and watching the PowerPoint and not paying attention to me. I said, just listen to me and I will tell you stories that will make, that you'll remember. You might not remember the facts. You know, when you go to church, you don't listen to the, you, you won't remember the Bible verses, but you remember the stories that he tells, hmm. you know? So I think that that's, that's kind of the basis of what I was doing and trying to get people interested. So I said, you know, you wouldn't have been able to get out of bed this morning if it hadn't been for your liver feeding you back some of the energy that it stored from the meal you ate last night. You would be limp as a puppet. You would be able to sit up or think or even talk. And then when you hopped out of bed and put on your joggy shorts, I know you did that this morning before you got up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you were worried about those globs of cholesterol building up in your blood vessels. Mm-hmm. Did you know that it's the liver that controls the production and excretion of cholesterol? And if we knew why it was bad in some people and good in others, we wouldn't have so many heart attacks, wouldn't have so many gallstones. But they're looking for the answers to that, and hopefully we'll find them soon. And then when you went into the bathroom, and I don't know if you shave every morning. I see you have a little fuzzy chin there. (laughs) (laughs) But if you think you're sitting shaving, you'd be mopping up your chin all day if if your liver wasn't making the clotting factor. Yes. I hope when you reach for the toilet paper to stick on your bloody chin the next time you think of your liver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when you went into the kitchen to eat your breakfast, well, you wouldn't have been able to digest your breakfast if it hadn't been for your liver making that nasty tasting green stuff called bile. Mm-hmm. Bile, you know, people, the only thing people know about is when they get sick to their stomach. <laughs> and bile is, is like liquid gold. It has two jobs. It acts as a, uh, a detoxifier. It t- takes the, the poisons and the toxins and the alcohol, the drugs that you take, or the environmental pollutants that you breathe in, or the nitrogenous wastes that are created by your internal processes that are turning the food you eat into, muscles and energy, etc. But the other job it does is act as a detergent, like the dishwasher stuff. Mm-hmm. It has it breaks up the fats so that your the, the vitamins and the minerals in the food that you eat can be released because they are essential for the liver cells to use to do their wonderful chemical reactions. And uh, you know that's that's one of the basic messages. So I was I did a presentation for some teenagers, and when I finished telling the stories, whatever, he said, "How do you get an apple into your muscle?" I said, gee, that's funny. Nobody ever asked me that question before. I said, well, you eat an apple, it goes down to your stomach, it's applesauce. 
and it moves on to the small intestines. And I said, uh, and then it sends a little signal over to the gallbladder and says, please sprinkle some bile on this food so that we can get through, so that they can be picked up by those little blood vessels in the wall of the small intestine. And they're carried over through a big vein over to the liver where all these wonderful liver cells are just waiting to take those nutrients and turn them into all the wonderful things that you need to keep alive, like, and hurt. It makes the immune factors, the clotting factors, et cetera, et cetera. Now, talking about the clotting factors, when Dean was so sick, when something woke me one night, and when I went to check on him, his head was in a pool of blood. He had scratched his ear, and just a tiny abrasion just kept bleeding. And Mm. he probably would have bled out by morning had I not been awakened. And that was because he couldn't make the clot. His liver couldn't make the clotting factor because he couldn't pick up the vitamin D that was released by the bile, et cetera didn't have any idea. The bile is just one part of that whole wonderful system. Hmm. I mean, with other other things, all these hepatocells, amazing things that they do. I've listened to many of the doctors who talk about the chemical processes, and it's so far over my head. Mm-hmm. And it just goes, you know, it's just wonderful, wonderful, except I don't remember a word you said. Mm-hmm. So I have taken that and thought, how can I make it come alive for people so that they understand? And so many people will tell you, you know, just what you explained, what Dean went through with his fractures of his hip. You know, why did he have two fractures? Because his liver could not make the essential elements that gave him strong bones. It goes back to what, what role did the bile Etc. It's such a complex process, that whole thing. But unless you have personal response and information about what did this do for me, you're not going to remember it. So I think that this is a wonderful opportunity that you've given us just to say, you know, the little stories that I tell people who have remembered it for 10 years, they say, oh, I remember you with that football. I was asked to talk to some football players. I had done a presentation out in the and uh, Denver, Colorado, uh, they were doing fundraising. And I didn't know that they were going to ask the coach of the Denver Broncos to also be a speaker. And I said, gee, I hope I go first because everybody wants to listen to the coach and his funny little football stories. Who wants to listen to the liver lady? You know? Well, fortunately, I went through my little repartee about what the liver does. And when I sat down, the coach said, gee, would you come and talk to the team? He said, I didn't know my liver was that important. So I said, not wanting to miss an opportunity to talk to that many rich men. I flew back out to Denver and they were, they were all practicing. They hadn't done their cuts yet. And they had uh, just practiced all morning, ate a huge meal. And I was supposed to make the blood their liver in 10 minutes. I said, mm. could you give me 20? I just came 2000 miles. <laughs> Anyway, so these guys were ready to take a nap. And I thought, how the heck did I ever get myself in this pickle? So I asked the coach for football, held up the football and said, you know, this is the most valuable thing in your life right now. But you do know you have an organ that's the same size that's tucked up under your ribs. If you don't take care of it, you're not even going to make it into the end zone. Because the first thing that goes when your liver is in trouble is your energy. And right now, guys, your energy is your money in your pocket. Mm. And you can decide how much money you want to make by how well you take care of your liver. I had their attention. Nice one. But nice. Again, Thelma. But again, that's, that's what I've done every day. I try to figure out how can I get to a four-year-old? So that's where the genesis of my coloring books came from. I had a little, I had, uh, this has been in the back of my head for a long time. And I have a wonderful artist who made the liver come alive. He created that little little liver character. And my first brochure that I ever made was, how can you love me if you don't know me? And that took off internationally. And we have copies of it in German and French, et cetera. It was the first time that people had a different look of you of liver. You know, the liver has a terrible stigma. Mm-hmm. People just think of alcohol and drug abuse, et cetera. True. But this gave them an idea of, gee, it does do many things for me. And that started off. Well, this artist has just been absolutely wonderful. So I thought, how can we get to kids? Well, I, we developed the coloring book and he did his magic on it and just made them all come alive. And I give him credit for that because I couldn't have done that. That's I gave wonderful. him the words. He gave us the action. Yeah. And again, I had a, a 
a four-year-old came with me and I didn't have any toys in the house, uh, but I did have a coloring book. So I went through it with her and when she got up in the morning said, I'm having orange juice to keep my liver healthy. Mm-hmm. And then her, her father came in and he did up a cigar and she told him he was going to kill his liver. Uh, so I thought at four years of age, I'm sure she's going to remember that. I think you she know, will remember you, that. I mean, when did you learn about brushing your teeth? Are you still brushing your teeth? When did you learn not to step out on the street when you cry, look both ways before you cross the street? I said, let's get to the children. Hmm. And of course, the magic of it is that this has opened the door to the adults. We've reached more adults with our coloring books because the kids will take it home to mom and dad who are ignorant about the liver and they'll go through it and they will learn something and, and maybe even other family members. So it's a way of getting, uh, reducing the stigma associated with liver, getting to a population that is so important. When you saw we have the uh, Spanish subtitles on some of them. And again, it opened the door for communication with mom and dad mm-hmm. and uh, helps them in learning, et cetera. So this, they have been a wonderful access for us. And people say, well, why, why are you, fo- we're not focusing on children. I said, let me present something to you. And you will see, and it does open the door for us. Matter of fact, every time I presented testimony before Congress, I always gave them a coloring book. (laughs) And again, some of the top docs, Mm -hmm. even doctors have said, I learned something for you. I have a whole new perspective of my liver Mm -hmm. because you made it personal. So what what I'm hearing, Thelma, is one, that you have to have a story. So a story is what captures people's attention. So if you go to speak to a member of Congress or a state legislator or a governor or someone or someone at the CDC, you tell the story of Dean, you tell the story of your life or something that captures them, that helps them remember. Because like you said, when you go to church, what you remember are the stories, not necessarily the verses. And what I'm also hearing is that you have to think of creative ways to reach people. So, you know, a PowerPoint, a um, informational brochure with lots of uh, medical jargon, you know, that's not necessarily going to really capture people. But the the coloring book is brilliant. And I think you're right that children hear messages and can carry those through their lives. And they also, like you said, physically carry that coloring book back to their parents and you're also translating into different languages. So that sounds like that's been really important to you too. You mentioned a number of languages that it's been it's been translated into. Right. So right now, LHI, the Liver Health Initiative, you're collaborating with the USDA's Abriendo Caminos Research Project, and that is promoting the prevention of obesity among Hispanic heritage families in Chicago. So how did that come about and why is it um, a focus on Hispanic heritage families? What are you looking at specifically? Well, I happened to read an article about Abriano uh, Camilo's program and they mentioned uh, one person. And I said, well, let's see. I picked up the phone and I called her and on a cold call, mm-hmm. I told her we had a coloring book that I thought might be helpful to her. And she was so happy because they were struggling to try to figure how can we interest kids in nutrition? Hmm. It's a dull subject, et cetera, yes. et cetera. So I sent her the coloring books, et cetera. And she decided that they invited me to, uh, to train their outreach workers. They were getting other Hispanic people to, because most of these people don't, don't speak English or very much English, whatever. And of course, I don't speak Spanish, but mm-hmm. I trained their outreach workers. And again, you, you, when you get the comments that, gee, I didn't know my liver was that important, you know? And well, the one that I love is that I told my mom, I told my sister, it was, it was, easy for them to share the information, which is what you need to do. So that that really was a plug for me and, and uh, uh, com- it, it confirms the fact that we're, we're on the right track. If people can share the information, that's going to be helpful to us. So, but the, the administrator of that program happened to be the vice dean of a medical school. 
And she was so impressed that she asked me to talk to the medical students because one of the things in medical, you go to a physician, number one, he doesn't have time to go beyond just learning about what your problem is to take the time to educate you. So there's a real, and and the problem is that pedagogy, which is the, the big word for teaching people how to take complex information and make it understandable, which is what mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. And because they don't, they don't know how to talk to patients. No, they, they don't. don't know how to stop. But when we, when we just tell them some of the simple little messages, one line that your liver is your internal chemical power plant, everything that you eat and breathe, whatever, mm-hmm. it's just a simple, quick, easy, simple, but again, it's missing. So I, what I try to do is to take the complex thing and make it as easy for people to remember and to share. And it's uh, sharing and it's so important. And that's kind of where we came from. And again, uh, the coloring book has been magic. So we, we, have, we have a couple of versions, different versions of it. And it really is opening doors. Yeah. And I wanted to ask a question because the vast, vast majority of my listeners are nurses. What is it about being a nurse that makes people listen when you have something to say? What do you think about that? Well, I don't know. There, there, there are two thoughts. Uh, when you go to Congress, the, kind of the, the lobbyists tell us that the, the congressional people like to listen to nurses because mm-hmm. uh, the doctor's are always asking for money and the nurses tell them what's going on. I see. So that's a good one. That's good uh, but and nurses have been kind of until this COVID when people are really appreciating the fact that nurses are going that extra mile. They've been doing that for years, but they haven't gotten the, the support and the, the, the pats on the back that they needed to have along the line. Mm-hmm. But they are dedicated to what they're doing. Uh, they're overwhelmed. And we are really struggling at this point to get people interested in going into nursing at this point. And so the hospitals are having difficulty finding additional help. And uh, we really need to get more interest going. But uh, the whole programs have been changed so much from when I nursed. I get more of the hands-on type of nursing education where is it getting much more complicated? I couldn't go back into nursing at this point. It's mm-hmm. too complicated with all the equipment that they have, et cetera. Right. It was really much more basic years ago. And the hands-on has been passed off to AIDS, et cetera. And so sure. it's a whole changing process, but it's getting more more complicated. But uh, it's a wonderful background for so many other things. I mean, I could never be doing what I'm doing had I not had that background. I'm glad to hear that. And, you know, the Gallup poll shows us every year, 20 years running now that the public trusts us, right? So that means, like you said, members of Congress want to listen to us too. So that does say a lot to the power, even though nurses often feel disempowered and they feel like they don't have a voice, there's many people who want to listen. And if if people want to get in touch with you, I know they can go to liver health.org. That's the website for the liver health initiative. And your email is liverlady at gmail.com. It's L-I-V-R liverlady at gmail.com. So people can get in touch. And before we go, I'd like to ask you four questions that I ask all of my uh, guests. Are you game for a few questions? Well, do I get an A, B or a C? <laughs> you, you get an A plus before we even start. <laughs> okay. You get an A in advance. So the first question is, how do you define success? How do I define success? Well, I mean, I think uh, I've often said to my staff, we have our ups and downs. You know, this, you try so hard to do something and you just feel like I'm never going to get any place, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think that when, then I'll get a phone call from somebody that says, you know, gives me a little bit of an up. It is those up and downs that keep you going. Mm-hmm. And you just wait for it because sometimes it's pretty dry for a few days and you think, oh, you know, what am I doing? Am I wasting my time? And then you'll call me and say, would you come and do my program? And that's an up. You know, that gives me a chance to, to do more about what I, what I really want to do. You gave me a chance to get to a lot of people that I couldn't get to before. Mm-hmm. So that I appreciate that. And I thank you very much. Of course. Yeah. Thank you. And now next question is, how would you describe one person who's inspired you in the course of your life 
living or dead, famous or not? Just one person. Well, one person who has made a big difference to me that I, years ago when I first started out and I was developing this repartee that I go through and Mm -hmm. I did a presentation for a group of of, uh, nurses and women that were working with the Ryan White program in the uh, HIV care arena. And one, Mm -hmm. one of the nurses there had uh, was so impressed with my presentation. She said, "You know, I I learned about I didn't learn about the liver when I went to nursing school. I learned about it from you, just from what you told me. And it's just telling those stories, the little bit of stories." And she had asked her boss, who was the head of the HIV program, if she could train all the nurses in the program. Well, the HIV person was not really educated about the liver, and she bumped it. She wouldn't. She wouldn't give her permission to go on. So I forgot about that for a long time. And as he went by, matter of fact, almost twenty years went by, and I saw that she is uh, now the rear admiral and had been the interim surgeon general when uh, President Trump was deciding whether he was going to put a doctor, I think it's Dr. Adams, into the Surgeon General position. But she was the first nurse that was put in that position. He was going from Shepherd. But I called her and I said, uh, you know, I, I, I'm doing this and I need help. And she said, do you remember me? She says, of course. She says, you're unforgettable. She says, mm-hmm. I learned from you about my liver, not from when I went to nursing school. Now, she... Has not, she tried very hard to get the Surgeon General at the time to implement our liver education program in all of the government programs. And I think she bumped into resistance. I never heard, I never got the bill feedback, but she uh, eventually she resigned or retired from her position. And she's now the, the executive vice president, strategic planning uh, executive for the North uh, Hexas, Texas University Health Sciences Center. And she was, she asked me to, to train her professors to implement the program. And she has now incorporated our, my techniques in their entire health education programs. So they will be able to be training their, their professors who appreciated the fact that they learned even some of the physicians mm-hmm. were amazed at how they learned and they mm-hmm. have an outreach program to a huge Hispanic community were tickled to pieces to have the coloring books because it opened the door mm-hmm. for them to get to that community. Great and so story. it was just, so she is, and she is now one of our advisors along the line. And it's just one of the amazing people that has helped me along the way. Just mm-hmm. a great deal. Good story. Thank you for sharing that. Now, the next question is, is there a book or a movie that's had a major impact on the way you think or the way you live your life? I'm so busy with what I'm doing. I don't watch the movies very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't do re- too many books other mm-hmm. than liver books and I educational see. things. That that's I okay. That's no, right. I can't really give you a, a good one on that one. Uh, okay. <laughs> Maybe your coloring books. Maybe we'll go with yeah. those. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm more interested in trying to interest you in what I'm doing than you interesting me what you're doing. <laughs> that's good. I, that's great. I love that. Okay. Last question. What's a piece of advice you would give your 18 year old self right now, whether she would listen or not? Um, about what? Anything. Just, just about life. What, what would you say to your 18 year old self? You'd be like, Thelma. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, and looking and looking at the students today, and, mm-hmm. and even with my kids, if you have a purpose in life, and again, uh, I, I watch my own children. I have one. One, my daughter is an attorney. My son is also a nurse, but he was struggling to find out what part of nursing did he want to be in, and his background has helped him. He's now uh, a celebrant. He uh, does memorial. Uh, programs for people who are struggling and he has used his nursing background to help them and he gets wonderful feedback on that so they both found a purpose and That's i said nice. if you don't have a purpose in life decide what it's going to be it'll take some time to find it sometimes but you have to keep trying mm-hmm. and again uh one of one of the students that worked with me uh she wanted to be she thought she wanted to be a doctor 
So she was a scribe, you know, she worked in the hospital at night trying to take the notes from the doctors, et cetera. And she got an inside view of the medical community and decided that's not for me. But she had she had a test of it. And when she came to work with me, she learned that public health was much more interesting than going into the medical field. Mm -hmm. And it just gave her a, a purpose. So I keep encouraging, try it. See if you like it. Don't jump in with both feet until you know whether you're really going to like it. So test things along the way. That's you may fail advice. sometime, but pick up your check your books and your bag. Go try something else. Mm -hmm. Very good advice. Well, Thelma, you're a great storyteller, and I think that is a testament to your success and this 50-year campaign that you've waged in terms of your passion about educating others about liver health and liver disease and prevention. So thank you for being a voice of reason and passion and education and being such an amazing nurse out there in the world. And thanks for being here with us on the Nurse Keith Show. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's been a help and I just uh, help me get the word out. That's what I'm going to do. Of course. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode. Remember, the show notes will be at nursekeith.com forward slash liverhealth. And you can go to liver-health.org to learn more about Thelma Thiel and all the great work she is doing in the world. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode. And remember what Thelma said about finding a mission, finding something you're passionate about and having a focus on making that thing the driving force in your life. And remember, if you need personalized holistic career coaching, check me out, get in touch at nursekeith.com, mention Thelma or the show and get 10% off your first coaching package. And you can become a patron at patreon.com if you'd like to support the show. We're a proud member of the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com. We're produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting and Mark Cappiespeason is our stalwart social media ringmaster. Before we say goodbye, I'll leave you with this quote, one of my favorites by the musician Robert Fripp. He said, may my living honor my parents and may my living repay the debt of my existence. And Thelma Thiel is an example of someone whose living has certainly more than repaid the debt of her existence. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. And new friend of the pod and my new friend Thelma Thiel saying adieu from... Liver Health Initiative. <laughs> the Liver Health Initiative. Thank you, Thelma. Thanks for everyone for being here and we will catch you on the proverbial flip side. <laughs>